With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82. A Psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning, everyone. This is uh, Kennard speaking. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. This program is for people who understand the following or want to understand the following. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 18. Uh, Matthew chapter 18. I'm going to start reading or quoting from the Amplified Bible, which brings out the original Hebrew and Greek meaning of the biblical text, and I would recommend highly that you purchase this outstanding Bible. It's a good Bible to have with your King James Version, and it kind of amplifies the King James Version um, text, and it even gives it greater meaning. Anyway, Matthew chapter 18, verse 1. At that time, I'm reading this in the Amplified Version of the Bible, at that time, the disciples came up and asked Jesus, Who then is really the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? In verse 2 of Matthew chapter 18, And he called a little child to himself and put him in the midst of them, or in the middle of them, and said, Truly I say to you, unless you repent, which means change, turn around, and become like little children, trusting, lowly, loving, forgiving, you can never enter the kingdom of heaven at all. Uh, Matthew 18, verse 4, Whoever will humble himself, therefore, and become like this little child, trusting, lowly, loving, forgiving, or humble, is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so we have to humble ourselves. I don't know everything, and whether you realize it or not, you don't know everything either. Only God knows everything, and we, we need to understand that and humble ourselves. Now, what I'm going to talk about on this program for women that are listening to me for the first time. I do not want you to get offended here. Um, and if you do get offended, then <laughs> there's nothing I can do. I'm going to quote you what the Bible says about women and, and their role uh, as far as leading society and leading families and leading periods, what the Bible says. And if you truly want to know what the Bible says about it, 
then you should want to continue to listen to me. If you don't, if you think you know it all, you think that women should rule over men and and that there should be women leading countries and women should be the one that takes the lead over the man when traditionally that has not been the case throughout history. This has only been a modern occurrence where women are dominating the workforce, uh, where women are wanting to break the glass ceiling and so forth. Uh, this has all been prophesied to occur. And matter of fact, let me I was going to quote this scripture earlier, but the Lord is leading me to quote this scripture now. Isaiah chapter 3, I'm going to read this in the Amplified Version of the Bible. Isaiah chapter 3, verse 12, it says, As for my people, and this is a prophecy that was um, accurate back then and is certainly accurate now. Isaiah chapter 3, verse 12, As for my people, Children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. And that is certainly a end-time prophecy today because women are, and children, because the children aren't being raised properly. Um, both the women and children are ruling over society today. An example is the United States of America. Uh, we, we have certain um, organizations that favor women. The Small Business Administration, when they have certain programs, they just mention minority women. They don't mention minority men. <laughs> so the focus is, is, is too much on women uh, in, in society today. And, and uh, this homosexuality thing, a lot of that has to do also with uh, making men less of a man. And before I get into this, for those who may just stop listening to me right away, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and recommend that you get this book called The Flip Side of Feminism. It says, What Conservative Women Know and Men Can't Say. It's by Suzanne Venker and Phyllis Sklafly. And this is a very good book. Uh, let me just read the chapters from this book. Uh, the first chapter is Brainwash. Uh, number two, Feminism 101 Uncensored. Number three, chapter three, Hookups and Heartache. Chapter four, Why Marriage Eludes the Modern Generation. Chapter five, When Mothers Work. Chapter six, Pandering to the Female Left at Your Expense. Chapter seven, The Expendable, or Expendable, the Expendable Male. And chapter eight, A New Roadmap for Women. So this is a this is a good book. I suggest. Uh, hopefully, if I have enough time, I'm going to quote out of the uh, chapter seven about the expendable male. How that prophecy in Isaiah chapter three verse twelve is literally being fulfilled, and this book is proof of that. So, and these and this book was written by two conservative women that don't mind men leading. So, <laughs> so there are some women that understand this. But you have to understand that and the reason why I'm talking about this, the Bible study that we're going to have today uh, in the book of Revelation, uh, feminism, which is women wanting to just rule over men and, and dominate men and so forth, and uh, having women's rights. And you know, women have rights just like men have rights. But as you hopefully are going to understand as I do this Bible study, women were created to help the man, not compete with the man, okay? And that's what feminism does. And feminism really started with, and you go back through history, 
after World War II or even before that, it started to, to emerge. But certainly in World War II, uh, when a lot of men had were drafted and had to go and do their thing, uh, the women had to get out there and work. And so that's an exceptional case. I mean, what are they going to do, wait for their man to come back and starve? No, so they had to go work. And the symbol of feminism began at that time with uh, a picture created, and you can Google this on Google, Rosie the Riveter, Rosie the Riveter. And Rosie the Riveter, that picture is a picture of a woman making a muscle. So it's it's kind of it's a it's turn offish to me basically. I don't look at a woman that is strong and has a muscle, but <laughs> if there's any uh, perfect symbol for feminism, it's that. And that was created back then during World War II. And we've we've we have slowly since then gotten to a point where women are really really influencing society today. But anyway, I'm going to get into what the Bible says about feminism and, and about uh, women leading, because women should lead, and and men should lead. But both roles are, let's just put it this way, most men and women don't know how to lead properly. They both lead, but they lead differently. Okay? So, and I'm going to explain that today. Now, first of all, I want to go over some uh, world events here. Uh, I, I forgot to mention that there was a terrible, I don't know if I mentioned this or not, but there was a terrible storm in Israel recently. Uh, the worst storm uh, in the 21st century for Israel. And it was kind of weird because when I was looking at the pictures, it's like I was looking at, uh, <laughs> it's like I was looking at Chicago because I used to live in Chicago. Uh, for several years, and it just, it it was just, uh, for this to happen in Israel is certainly a sign of the end times, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Let me turn to watch.org. I'm sure he has some interesting information on his website, Koenig's website. I don't know if you heard or not about this Phil Robertson. He had quoted something out of the Bible about homosexuality. He's been ostracized because of that. Uh, it says right here on the website, Koenig International News. This is where we're coming. This, this is how wicked we are now. For somebody to quote something accurately out the Bible, <laughs> and he gets ostracized for it. Anyway, um, Duck Dynasty star Phil Robertson let his biblically-based views on homosexuality be known in an interview with GQ magazine. Within a day, A.E. suspended him, a move that ruffled the feathers of possibly millions of fans of his most popular show. Buddy Smith, executive vice president of American Family Association, says A&E also emphasized that it is very supportive of the LGBT community and, in fact, are champions of the homosexual community, which is an abomination to even say that. But anyway, I look at this and the question comes to mind, is this really America <laughs> where this is happening? No, it's not the America of the, of the past, it's the America of the present. This is certainly not what the Constitution reflects, Ms. Ad. Smith adds. We're supposed to be a country where we have a constitutional right to talk to a reporter like Phil did and express our religious views. Yeah, and he's right. 
You're right. We should have freedom of religion, and uh, it looks like we don't. We don't have that in this country, unfortunately. Uh, another headline, it says, Arab League rejects Kerry's security plan for the West Bank. So here we go again with this going back and forth, trying to do something that God commands us not to do. Uh, Israel plays down news that U.S. spied on its prime ministers. Well, that spying is typical of, of, of powerful countries like the United States. And so we're having... Um, Terrible winter storms here as the probably the greatest deceptive uh, pagan day ever in the history of the world. Christmas is being celebrated. Uh, you may be shocked by me saying that for those who are listening to me for the first time, but uh, you know I can prove this to you very simply by going to Jeremiah chapter 10. Jeremiah chapter 10, I'm going to read this in the Amplified Version of the Bible. Jeremiah 10 verse 1, hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word which the Lord speaks to you, O house of Israel. And house of Israel, yes, he's speaking the house of Israel, but the Bible is for all of mankind, folks. Verse 2, thus says the Lord, learn not the way of the heathen nations, and be not dismayed at the signs of the heavens, like the uh, astrological signs as far as Pisces and all that. I forgot the rest of them anyway. Though they are dismayed at them. Verse 3, for the customs and ordinances of the peoples are false, empty, and futile. Not all of them, but most of them. <laughs> okay? It is but a tree. It is but, let me look at this in the King James Version when it talks about uh, customs here. Yes, for one, let me go back to the Amplified Version here, Jeremiah 10, verse 3. It is but a tree which one cuts out of the forest to make for himself a god. The work of the hands of the craftsmen with the axe or other tool. They deck the idol with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers so it will not fall apart or move around. Their, their idols are like pillars turned work, as upright and stationary and immobile as a palm tree, like scarecrows in a cucumber field. They cannot speak. They have to be carried, for they cannot walk. Do not be afraid of them, for they cannot do evil. Neither is it possible for them to do good. So anyway, what this is telling you is that there's a custom that God fully knows because he knows everything, the end from the beginning. And you think he's not going to talk about this day, Christmas, that uh, has lies wrapped up in it, the, 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 the first lie, or you know, it don't have to be in priority, but the first lie is that there's a, a fat man named Santa Claus. And what, what example is that to uh, think of somebody who's fat, for one thing? But anyway... He's fat, he's in, he wears a red suit, and he, and he goes down a chimney. I don't know how he can fit in the chimney, okay? And he gives kids gifts. Now, people try to associate Christmas with Jesus, or Yeshua, that's his Hebrew name. And people giving gifts to other people, or this fat man giving gifts to other people, what has that got to do with honoring the fact that Yeshua was supposed to be born on December 25th, and I can tell you right now, he was not born. He was conceived around that time. And his birth was around September, October, around the time of the Festival of Trumpets and the Festival of Sukkot, or the Feast of Tabernacles. That's when he was born, around September, October. But he was conceived around December 25th, or the month of December. But conception is not birth. But anyway, um, people get this mixed up, and he was not 
born on December 25th when it's freezing outside. He wasn't born in that situation. So God does not want us to be using pagan things to worship him. In Deuteronomy chapter 12, Deuteronomy chapter 12, starting at verse 28, Deuteronomy 12, verse 28. Be watchful and obey all these words which I command you, that it may go well with you and with your children after you forever, when you do what is good and right in the sight of the Lord your God. Verse 29, when the Lord your God cuts off before you the nations whom you go to dispossess, and you dispossess them and live in their land, verse 30, be watchful that you are not ensnared into following them after they have been destroyed before you, and that you do not inquire after their gods, saying, How did these nations serve their gods? We will do likewise. You shall not do so to the Lord your God, for every abominable thing which the Lord hates they have done for their gods. For even their sons and their daughters they have burned in the fire to their gods. Whatever I command you, be watchful to do it. You shall not add to it nor diminish it. And people do that today, and for those who... Uh, unknowingly state that, oh, that's the Old Testament, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1, in the Amplified Version. It says, For I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, so if you don't want to be ignorant, pay attention, that our forefathers, so, oh, so this is an epistle, a letter to the Corinthian church, Gentiles, and he's saying, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, that our forefathers, so he's linking the forefathers with the believers in the Corinthian church, which is, uh, they have Gentiles there. That our forefathers were all under and protected by the cloud in which God's presence went before them, and every one of them passed safely through the Red Sea, too. And each one of them allowed himself also to be immersed or baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They were thus brought under obligation to the Torah, to Moses, and to the covenant consecrated and set apart to the service of God. And all of them ate the same spiritual, supernaturally given food. And, and verse 4, and, and they all drank the same spiritually, supernaturally given drink. For they drank from a spiritual rock which followed them, produced by the soul power of God himself without natural inst instrumentality. And that rock was Christ. So that, that's a, a revelation there. But the, the God uh, of the Old Testament was uh, Yeshua himself, Jesus Christ. Okay, so so you have to understand that there. Uh, in First Corinthians chapter ten verse nine, it says, "We should not tempt the Lord by try his patience, become a trial to him, and critically appraise him, and exploit his goodness, as some of them did, and were killed by poisonous serpents." And uh, I love the King James Version translation of this because it says, "Neither let us tempt Christ." Just to let you know that that certainly was Yeshua Messiah in his pre-existent form that they tempted and got angry. And remember, Yeshua, in Hebrews 13, verse 8, it says, Yeshua, or Jesus, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So let, let's understand that. Okay, so let's go back. I think I covered world news here. Oh, I wanted to, to talk about the the weather here briefly. Uh, on CNN, and then and remember now, uh, we're approaching Christmas, so I'm not surprised that this is happening here. Uh, the weather is frightful. Three dead as ice, snow, storms sweep the nation. The bizarre mix of weather across the country spawned everything from ice storms to record warmth 
and could be trouble for 94 million expected travelers this weekend. I've written an article on my website. If you go to mercifulserviceofgod.com, go to the left, the menu bar on the left, and click um, Bible study articles, and then click uh, God and hurricanes. You'll understand the reason why we have weather disturbances. It's to get our attention, to wake us up, and get us to turn and repent and obey his commandments. Okay, so I think I've, uh, oh, I can see if there's any domestic news that we need to be concerned about. Um, Go to the economic collapse. Blog, which is an excellent blog. And I I sincerely recommend that you study this blog. It gives you a lot of information that the, the, the main news media outlets do not give you. The economiccollapseblog.com. And the, his uh, slogan here for this um, website, it says, Are you prepared for the coming economic collapse in the next Great Depression? Most people aren't. And he's telling you, rightfully so, you should be. Um, a headline on the blog for today says, The taper is on eight ways that this is going to affect you and your family. Uh, 83 numbers from 2013 that are almost too crazy to believe. Camden, New Jersey, one of hundreds of U.S. cities that are turning into rotting, decaying hell holes. So anyway, uh, then he talks about these, these forecasters here, Dent, Faber, Salente, Maloney, Rogers. What do they say is coming in 2014? So I, I would recommend that you study this and, and be prepared here. Uh, he has certain things here um, on his menu bar here. Uh, again, an excellent blog here. Uh, emergency food, uh, survival supplies, military surplus, preppers. Uh, he has a book that uh, gives you a, a good sense of what is going to be happening in the future. So I'm giving him a little plug there. But uh, I, I recommend that you, you really um, study his website. Okay, so how much time do I have left? 37 minutes. That should be enough time for me to go into this controversial and uh, difficult subject. All right, so let me go ahead and start out here in Revelation, Revelation, chapter 2. And this is a big problem, not only in church, but in society, folks. Uh, Revelation chapter 2, and and it affects the church in, in very negative ways as he describes here. Uh, let me read this in the uh, Amplified. Revelation 2, verse 18. It says, And to the angel, messenger of the assembly church in Thyatira, write, Revelation 2, verse 18, in the Amplified version, These are the words of the Son of God, who has eyes that flash like a flame of fire, and whose feet glow like bright and burnished and white-hot bronze. Verse 19 of Revelation chapter 2 in the Amplified Version. I know your record and what you are doing, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your recent works are more numerous and greater than your first ones. And verse 20 of Revelation chapter 2. But I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess. Now, she's not a prophetess, but she's calling herself a prophetess. And that's interesting because there's women today that uh, I'm not saying there's not prophetess, but this prophecy is certainly indicating there are some 
who are calling themselves a prophetess, and they are not. All right? So, um, but I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess, claiming to be inspired, and who is teaching and leading astray my servants and beguiling, beguiling them into practicing sexual vice and eating to idols. And a reference to this, of course, is 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 31, and 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 22 uh, to 30. Uh, we will quote those scriptures. But I want to quote the rest of this first, because this is prophetic. It happened back then in the literal church assembly of Thyatira. But again, all these messages are for all the churches that have ever uh, assembled in the history uh, of the world up until this point. Um, verse 21, I gave her time to repent, but she has no desire to repent of her immorality, symbolic of idolatry, and refuses to do so. Take note, I will throw her on a bed of anguish, and those who commit adultery with her, I will bring down to pressing distress and severe affliction, unless they turn away their minds from conduct such as hers, and repent of their doings. And I will strike her children, her proper followers, dead, thoroughly exterminating them. And all the assemblies, churches, shall recognize and understand that I am he who searches minds, the thoughts, feelings, and purposes, and the inmost hearts, and I will give to each of you the reward for what you have done as your work deserves. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold to this teaching, who have not explored and known the depths of Satan, and this is, you need to pay attention to this. Uh, uh, you know, God, he doesn't like women or men going around teaching false doctrine. He doesn't like that. As they say, I tell you that I do not lay upon you any other fresh burden. Only hold fast to what you have until I come. And he who overcomes, and let's look at the good news here, is, vic is victorious and who obeys by command to the very end. You've got to do it to the very end. You just can't just obey his commandments and then... Two or three weeks later on, you just commit adultery and kill people and think you're going to make it in God's kingdom. I mean, you've you got to continue to obey him. Doing the works that please me, I will give him authority and power over the nation. Literally. And that's just not just for the Thyatira church. It's for all the churches, all the assemblies, all the believers who continue to obey the commandments. Verse 27, and he shall rule them with a scepter, rod of iron. That means men and women. For women who... Want to rule over men? Well, cool out. You're going to be able to rule not only over men, <laughs> but the entire universe along with Yeshua one day. If you just learn how to submit to authority, you'll have it all. I will give him authority and power over the nations. And, you know, remember when you, women, when you are changed into a spirit being, you're no longer a woman. You, you are, there's no sex uh, when you are changed to a spirit being. Uh, there's no marriage, okay? So obviously when you're, you're changed to the spirit being, uh, it doesn't give any indication that uh, you're going to be a woman. It says you'll be like the angels. That's what Yeshua stated, that you would be like the angels. Uh, verse 27, And he shall rule with them with a scepter, rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, and his power over them shall be that which I myself have received from my Father. Okay? So that's interesting, isn't it? And he shall rule with them a scepter rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, and his power over them shall be like that which I myself have received from my father. 
verse 28, and I will give him the morning star. And he who is able to hear, let him listen to he what the Holy Spirit says to the all the assemblies. So this is a message again to all the assemblies, not just to Thyatira. Okay, so the issue with Jezebel here. Who is Jezebel? What does she represent? What must we do to make sure that Jezebel doesn't affect us as believers? Okay, so Jezebel in the Greek is of Hebrew origin, of course. It's a, it's a woman, and, and it's, it's a synonym for a false teacher. So it can apply, apply also to males, but specifically, though, it is applying to women, women that are false teachers. And it's prophetic, because I read to you Isaiah chapter 3, verse 12. And I'm going to read that to you again. Uh, I'll read it in King James this time. Isaiah chapter 3, starting at verse 12. It states the following. It says, As for my people, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. And it's interesting, too. It talks about Jezebel and the fact that she was ruling over men, and I'm going to prove that to you. Um, and it talks about later on that if you repent of this, women, that you're going to have rulership, more rulership that uh, <laughs> that you can imagine. You, you, you have it all. Okay? But anyway, Isaiah 3, verse 12, As for my people, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. O oh, my people, they which lead thee, cause thee to err, and destroy the way of thy paths. And he, he literally means that. And I, I read to you about what the spirit of Jezebel does. But anyway, I'm going to read this to you from the Complete Word Study Dictionary which I highly recommend you get. It's just a summary here. We're going to quote certain scriptures here in the time that I have. I think I have yeah, 30 minutes. I have plenty of time to do so. All right, so let's relax, get a cup of coffee, women and men, and just listen to me before you, you judge me and think I don't know what I'm talking about. All right, uh, Jezebel, the wife of Ahab, king of Israel. She was the daughter of a Zidonian king, Kings 16, verse 31. Let's turn there. First Kings 16. First Kings 16, verse 31. And it came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. And he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbal, king of Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. Now he's talking about um, Ahab, which was one of the most wicked kings of all of all time, as far as Israel is concerned. And uh, so, right here, the complete word study dictionary states she was daughter of a Zidonian king and educated in the idolatrous practice of her native country. So she was a pagan. She was a virtual ruler of Israel, which is true because she ruled over her husband. She ruled over her husband. She introduced the worship of Baal and other idols, maintaining 400 priests of Baal at her own expense, while Ahab maintained 450 priests of Baal. So this is found in 1 Kings chapter 18, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 19. 1 Kings 18, verse 19. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel into Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal, 450. Uh, 50 in the province of the groves of 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. So they ate at Jezebel's table. <laughs> so that tells you the influence that she had. 
She resolved to exterminate all the prophets of God. Obadiah, who was a pious man and principal officer of Ahab's household, rescued 100 of the prophets at one time from Jezebel's grasp and supplied them with bread and water while they were concealed in the cave. Now, this is interesting now. She wanted to destroy the Lord's prophets, which is, which is, uh, is interesting, very interesting. First uh, Kings chapter 18. Three, and Ahab called Obadiah, which was the governor of his house. Now, Obadiah feared the Lord greatly, verse 4, for it was so when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifty in the cave and fed them with bread and water. So, this is interesting. Verse 13, was it not told, my Lord, what I did when Jezebel slew the prophets of the Lord? She actually slew the prophets of the Lord. And how I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifty in the cave and fed them with water. So this this woman was extremely wicked, folks. No wonder he's using Jezebel as an example of the kind of women you need to stay away from. Um, so soon after this, Elijah caused the four hundred fifty priests of Baal, supported by Ahab, to be put to death. As a result, Jezebel threatened to take the life of Elijah, but her purpose was frustrated. Soon afterwards, she planned and perpetrated the murder of Nabal, and by using the king's name and authority, she secured the cooperation of the leading men of Jezreel and their flagrant crime. So this is uh, chronologized here in First Kings chapter 21, verse 1 to 3. And it came to pass after these things that Nabal, the Jezreelite, Jezer, um, had a vineyard or a garden which was in Jezreel, hired by the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. And Ahab spoken to Naboth, saying, Give me thy vineyard or garden, that I may have it for a garden of herbs, because it is near unto my house, and I will give thee for it a better vineyard than it. If it seem good to thee, I will give thee the worth of it in money. In verse 3, And Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid me that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. And Ahab came into uh, his house heavy and displeased because of the word which Naboth, the Jezreelite, had spoken to him. And he had said, I will not give thee the inheritance of my fathers. And he laid him down upon his bed and turned away his face and would eat no bread. But Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said unto him, Why is thy spirit so sad that thou eatest no bread? And he said unto her, Because I spake unto Naboth, the Jezreelite, and said unto him, Give me thy vineyard or garden for money. Or else, if it please thee, I will give thee another vineyard for for it. And he answered, I will not give thee my vineyard. And Jezebel, his wife, said unto him, Dost thou now govern the kingdom of Israel? Rise and eat bread, and let thy heart be merry. I will give thee the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. So she wrote, she took, she took lead. <laughs> she just went over her husband's head, basically. She wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal and sent the letters unto the elders and to the nobles that were in the city. And she wrote in the letters, saying, Proclaim a fast and set Naboth on high among the people. And so here she is ordering people around. So it is true what this uh, description of Jezebel in the Complete Word Dictionary says. She was the virtual ruler of Israel. She was actually ruling over Israel, and that's something that... In most cases, there are exceptions. In most cases, God does not want women to do, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and for you women that are listening to me, uh, our history proves that. 
that when women are leading society, society is on its way to destruction. And this country, I have to tell you right now, is on its way to destruction. And women I mean, dominating the workforce or being a lot of them in the workforce has a lot to do with that. Because when you have women in the workforce, they dump their kids to daycare, and how are they being trained and how are they being taught the laws of God? Because a daycare doesn't do that. A daycare doesn't do the following. In Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. I'm going to skip over to verse 7. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children uh, the laws of God, and shall talk of them when you sit in thine house and when you walk by the way and when you rise down and when you rise up. That's not happening. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine head. And they, How can it happen when a woman is out there working? Now, I know there's exceptional cases when a woman is single. She has no choice. But there's a lot of cases in this country, folks, where women certainly can uh, stay at home. Proverbs 1, verse 8 the states the following, my son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law, uh, which is translated Torah, instructions of thy mother. And how can a mother properly instruct the child the ways of God and the ways of life, and she's not there available to them most of the time during the day? And that's what leads to the destruction of society when you have these women who can stay at home with their kids. And they don't want to do it because they want to have a career and they want to break the glass ceiling and because they're influenced by feminism. All right, so let me just cut to the chase here, and uh, I'm just going to quote these scriptures, and uh, I hope you believe them because this is the word, the word of God. Now, biblically, elders are men, folks. Uh, elders are men. The Bible, whenever it talks about an elder, it's not talking about a woman unless it's talking about an elderly woman. But uh, in the Bible, biblically, elders are men. And uh, Deuteronomy chapter 1, Deuteronomy chapter 1, beginning in verse 13. I'm, I'm saying in the Bible. Now, if you have your own little Bible and, and so forth, there's, I know there's some Bible where it tries to, to womanize the scriptures. Well, that's not the real scriptures, if you have any Bible like that. But anyway, Deuteronomy 1, verse 13. Take you wise men, not women, okay, and understanding and known among your tribes, and I will make them rulers over you. Verse 14, and you answered me and said, the thing which thou hast seen. So I took the chief of your tribes, wise men, not women, okay, the chief of tribes. And, then, and really the Bible is telling you how civilization should be organized. Men are the leaders, women are the followers. That's just the way it is. So I took the chief of your tribes, wise men, and known and made them heads over you, not the women, the men, captains over thousands and captains over hundreds and captains over fifties and captains over tens and officers among your tribes. And I charged your judges at that time. Now, we have the Deborah exception, and I will get to that today because that's certainly an exception. But it was only one exception in the entire Bible. <laughs> anyway, verse 16, And I charged your judges at that time, saying, Here, the causes between your brethren and judge righteously between man and his brother and the stranger that is with him. So the elders and the judges were, in 99.9% of the cases, men. Okay? Um, in verse 17, you shall not respect persons in judgment, 
but you shall hear the small as well as the great, and you shall be afraid of the face of the man, for the judgment is God's. That's if the man is obeying God, okay? And the cause that is too hard for you, bring it to me, and I will hear it. So Moses is saying that. So anyway, so that's one scripture. And here's another one, because you know, there's, certain, there's, there's some women that preach that, oh, in the New Testament, this certain scripture is meaning it can mean also wife, not woman. And so, you know, it's okay for a woman to lead a congregation. There's nowhere in the entire Bible, ladies and gentlemen. Deborah was an exception, okay? But you can't make the exception the rule. And some women want to do that because they've had hard issues or lives with their husbands or have all kinds of issues, and then they let their life issues uh, allow them to misinterpret the Scriptures incorrectly. And you can't do that. You have to take the Scriptures for what it's saying, folks. All right, so anyway, uh, Numbers, Numbers chapter 1. You know, and, and, you know, I'm going to apologize on behalf of men, women, that have treated you the wrong way. Okay? Uh, I know. I, I've, I've been guilty of it. All right? We don't lead perfectly. But the Bible tells us that righteous men lead, um, do the best they can to lead. And a righteous man is a man, not a perfect man, but a man does the best he can to obey God. But just because a man is not leading you probably doesn't mean, okay, let me go ahead and lead over a man. It doesn't mean that. Now, the Deborah situation I'm going to get to. Be patient. But anyway, Numbers 1, verse 2. Take ye the sum of all. And see, Numbers is interesting because Numbers is a book where the entire assembly of Israel, a congregation of Israel, was organized. Okay, that's why it's called Numbers. One of the reasons, anyway. Numbers 1, verse 2. Take ye the sum of all the congregation of the children of Israel, after their families, by the house of their fathers, didn't say mothers, fathers, with the number of their names, every male, so if you really want to be specific now, it's talking about male. Male can't mean mean female, right? So Numbers 1, verse 2, Take ye the sum of all congregation of the children of Israel, after their families, by the house of their fathers, not mothers, with the number of their names, every male, not female, every male by their poles. So that one verse is telling you, obviously, society should be led by men, just based on that one verse. Let me read it to you again. Take ye the sum of all the congregation of the children of Israel, after their families, by the house of their fathers, with the number of their names, every male by their poles. So any woman that gets up here and tells me that men aren't the leaders of women in society, and when I use the excuse, well, that's only in marriage, that's a bunch of garbage based on this verse. Verse 3. From 20 years old and upward, all that are able to go forth to war in Israel. All right, so it's talking about the men again. And you need to understand this verse in light of the Deborah situation or exception, which I'm going to talk about. Because one of the things that a lot of women that are feminists in the, in the church, because there's feminists in, in, in the assemblies too, as well as feminists outside of religion or church, they try to use the Deborah situation and say, hey, you know, Deborah fought in the wars and all that. Well, Deborah said, if you look at that verse uh, carefully, she told Barak that he would lose his honor. And the reason why she said that because she knew that women were not supposed to go fight in wars. And here he is asking, and he was being wimpish to ask her to go with him. <laughs> and that's, that, that wasn't right. Anyway, Numbers 1, verse 3, from 20 years old and upward, all that are able to go forth to war, not the, the women, the men, in Israel. And Aaron shall number them by their armies. 
and with you there shall be a man of every tribe, not a woman, everyone head of the house of his father. So that's the way it's supposed to be. Society is and should be led by men, folks. That's just the way it is. If you have a problem with that, you go talk to God about that. You talk to him about it. Anyway, um, number six, uh, 1, verse 16 to 18. These were the renown of the congregation, the assembly, princes of the tribe. Princes. It didn't say princesses, right? Princes of the tribes of their fathers, heads of the thousands in Israel. And Moses and Aaron took these men, which are expressed by their names, and they assembled all the congregations together on the first day of the second month, and they declared their pedigrees after their families by the house of their fathers, according to the number of their names, from 20 years old and upward by their poles. I tell you this, the patriarchs are Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They are not Sarah, Rebecca, and Rachel. You women that are listening to that, I hope you heard what I just said. You know what the, who the patriarchs are. It's not Sarah, uh, Rebecca, and Rachel. It's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's why he talks about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Men are the leaders, folks, in society. Let's understand that. All right. In Numbers 11, Numbers 11, Numbers 11, starting in verse 16. And the Lord said unto Moses, Gather unto me seventy men of the elders of Israel, not women, men, whom thou knowest to be the elders of the people and officers over them, and bring them unto the tabernacle of the assembly, that they may stand there with thee. In verse 17, And I will come down and talk with thee there, and I will take of the spirit which is upon thee, and will put it upon them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with thee, that thou bear uh, it not thyself alone. So these were 70 men, where we get the idea of the Sanhedrin, I think it was 71, or 70, okay? And they were all men, all men. This is the reason why Paul says the following, folks. First, let's turn to, because there's all types of ridiculous interpretations of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 to try to justify women leading congregations. But Paul was, is, was pretty clear about what he said here, all right? 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. Let's start there. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. In verse 2, Now I praise you, brethren, that ye remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. Verse 3, But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of every man is Christ. And then you have this one particular teacher saying, well, the man can also mean husband. Well, if I put husband in it, so so only husband should obey uh, Christ? Should only husband submit to Christ, or should men submit also to Christ? Okay, let's let's use a little logic here, all right? But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of every woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. So it means what it says, folks. That's society. That's the way society should be structured. It's structured that way. And that's the way it's structured. And Gil, I love his commentary, and I'm going to quote it. <laughs> and he's a Hebrew scholar. He said, And the head of the woman is a man. The man is first in order and being, was first formed, and the woman out of him, who was made for him, and not he for the woman. And therefore must be head and chief, and he is as he is also with respect to his superior gifts and excellencies. Well, I'm not going to get into all that, okay? But 
as far as the fact that the man was created first, that gives him the greater authority than the woman, okay? And it says right here, it says, more than a man is the head of the woman to provide and care for her, to nourish and cherish her, and to protect and defend her against all insults and injuries. And so just as it applies, the, the assemblies of God should be a great influence towards society. Because you have some commentary, well, uh, for political office, women can, can be. And, you know, there's been exceptional cases for that. But it's just an exception. It's not the norm, as I'm going to explain here. And I may need more time to explain it, but I have 11 minutes, so uh, I'll let you know if I need to extend it. And if so, then you'll be able to listen to the rest of this program in the archives. But anyway, First Timothy, First Timothy, chapter 2, starting at verse 12. So it says, but I allow not a woman to teach. And, of course, it's, it's talking about an authoritative teaching. Because women can teach, and I'm explaining to you how they can teach, but not getting up there acting like they are, they can run congregations or they're an apostle or or uh, an elder or a bishop. Okay, that's an abomination according to what the Bible teaches. First Timothy two verse twelve. But I suffer or now not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. And then the context is teaching with authority. First uh, Timothy two verse thirteen. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. Right, that's why. <laughs> verse fourteen. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman, being deceived, was in the transgression. And let, let me look. Let's use a little common sense. Who did Hasatan of the devil go to first? Did he go to the man? No, he went to the women. Why? Because he knew that it was a greater chance for the women to be deceived than the man. This verse proves it here in verse 14. And Adam was not deceived. He, wasn't, he knew. He knew what was going on. But the woman being deceived was in the transgression. So, and this may be a little hard for you women to take here, but I know from experience that women tend to make their decisions a lot of times on what they feel. They don't go by the facts. They don't go by facts and evidence. They go by, well, I feel this, this way, so that's the way it is this way. And, and you can't make decisions based on that. And the devil knew that, and that's the reason why he deceived or he tricked the woman. And he, he, he realized that he had to, to use a woman to trick the man, and he still does that today with pornography and everything else. He knows that women can really deceive men and, and really get us to think improperly. And so he continues to use women to this day. Now, not to say that he doesn't use men to destroy women too but i'm just telling you how specifically he uses women that's one of the specific ways he does does so through 11 verse 1 3 and then first uh first uh corinthians chapter 14 first corinthians chapter 14 starting at verse 34 to 35 it says let your women keep silence in the assemblies Keep silent. Now, it doesn't mean totally keep silent, but it's talking about, if you look at this, in the context of speaking with authority and teaching with authority. For it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also says the Torah. You get one teacher saying, oh, it's not talking about the Torah. And, and, and the uh, Tanakh is talking about the oral law. Well, I, I don't see that in any text to try to justify uh, what I've already read to you, that men are the leaders in society and in their marriages. Okay? 
So that's a bunch of garbage. Don't listen to that false teaching. That's a false teaching of Hasatan. Verse 35, and if they will learn anything, if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home. For it is a shame for women to speak in the assemblies. All right, so this is pretty plain. I quoted scriptures in Deuteronomy chapter 1, Numbers chapter 1. In the Torah, Paul meant when he said, as also in the Torah. And then in Genesis, if we go back also in the Torah, in Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, or Genesis chapter 3, rather. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Well, actually, yeah, I want to read to you what God said about the woman. Okay, let's, let's understand what he said about the women. About women. So, it says right here, Genesis chapter 2, and this is what he said, this is what the Torah says, and the Genesis is certainly a part of the first five books, even though the entire Bible is a Torah, but... Uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 23, and Adam said, this is, well, actually, let me go to verse 20 of Genesis chapter 2. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field, but for Adam there was not found and help meet for him. And so God envisioned a woman to aid the man, not to compete with the man. Okay, verse 21, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs into flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. All right? So the, the woman was created, ladies and gentlemen, to help the man not to usurp leadership from him and, and, and usurp his authority. And that's what feminism, unfortunately, has brainwashed women into thinking. Unfortunately. And in Genesis, I'm trying to find uh, where he, okay. In Genesis 3, verse 16, says, Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow you shall bring forth children and your desire shall be to your husband, and he shall rule uh, or, or have power over you or have dominion over you, have authority over you. And I agree that, that men, a lot of men, have not used that authority properly. But that doesn't mean that God is saying that a man should not rule over his wife in, in love, gentlemen. The, the man has priority over the woman, just like the last Adam, Yeshua, has priority over mankind. Because he, he has priority over everything. Well, the, the first Adam as well, or as a man, has priority over the woman. Now, let's understand something. Let's understand something as far as rulership of a woman. Yeah, I'm going to, four minutes, I'm certainly going to be going over here. So um, I'm going to continue this Bible study because this is very important and you, and you need to understand some things. But before I get into what a woman's natural leadership role is, let me turn to judges because many women have been deceived by the Deborah situation. So let me explain that here. In Judges chapter 4, Judges chapter 4 starting in verse 
4. And Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lipido, she judged Israel at that time. Okay, so she literally judged Israel, and God allowed her to do so. But let's find out why. Verse 5, And she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel, and Mount Ephraim, which is interesting, uh, and the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. And verse 6, And she sent and called Barak, the son of Abinam, out of Kadashna Tilly, and said unto him, Have not the Lord God of Israel commanded, saying, Go and draw toward Mount Tabar, and take with thee ten thousand men? And notice she said, The God, the God of Israel commanded toward Mount Tabor, and take with thee ten thousand men of the children of Naphtali, and of the children of Zebulun. Verse 7, And I will draw unto thee to the river of Kishon, Sisezra, the captain of Jabin's army with his chariots and his multitude, and I will deliver him into thy hand. And verse 8, And Barak said unto her, If thou wilt go with me, then I will go, and if thou wilt not go with me, then I will not go. Okay, so this is not being a man. Okay, uh, wars are a man's responsibility. It's not a woman's responsibility, and she knew that. That's the reason why she said the following in verse 9. And she said, I will surely go with thee, notwithstanding the journey that you take shall not be for thy honor. For the Lord shall sell Sezra into the hand of a woman, which should not be the case. And she said it in a way that was this, you know, should embarrass him. And Deborah rose and went with Barak to Kedish. And women don't want to emphasize that. They don't want to emphasize that part. <laughs> and, and because they want to justify feminism. Anyway, Judges chapter 5. Judges chapter 5, verses 6 to 7. And it says, In the days of Shangar, the son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were unoccupied, and the travelers walked through byways. And verse 7, The inhabitants of the villages ceased, they ceased in Israel until that I, Deborah, rose, that I rose a mother in Israel. She didn't look at herself as a father. A mother has authority, but a mother is number two in authority. And she knew her place. And women that try to use the Deborah situation, they, I doubt seriously that they quote that scripture in that context. But anyway, um, in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 1 to 9, proves to you that women are not to go to war. Okay? It's not a woman's job, ladies and gentlemen. It's certainly not a woman's job. And Deuteronomy 20, verse 1, it says, When... Thou goest out to battle against thine enemies, and seest horses and chariots and a people more than thou. Be not afraid of them, for the Lord thy God is with thee, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Okay, so, uh, and it shall be when you come into the battle, that the priest shall approach and speak unto the people, and shall say unto them, Hear, O Israel, ye approach this day into battle against your enemies. Let not your hearts faint, fear not, and do not tremble, neither be ye terrified. Because of them. You need to be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God, he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies, to save you. And the officers shall speak unto the people, saying, What man is there that have built a new house and have not dedicated it? Let him go or return to his house, that not he die in a battle, and another man's dedicated. So anyway, you can read the rest of that up to verse 9 and realize, and I'm about to um, go off the air. Please listen to this in the archives. Uh, continue on here. I'm on recording. 
All right, and as I was stating earlier, that Revelation 20, not, not Revelation 20, Deuteronomy 20, verse 1 to 9, proves that men, not women, are to, to go fight in wars, and that's the reason why Deborah told, told Barak that he would lose his honor. She understood the Torah. As a judge, she understood the Torah. Now, the reason why, as, as explained in Judges, uh, the reason why Deborah was made a judge is explained in Judges, Judges chapter 5, starting in verse 6 to 7 again. Let's read this. Judges chapter 5. And uh, Judges chapter 5, verse 7, it says, The inhabitants the inhabitants of the villages ceased. They ceased in Israel until that I, Deborah, rose, that I arose a mother in Israel. Okay, so that should tell you the reason why God allowed Deborah because there, there, there were the, it says the inhabitants of the land ceased. They ceased in Israel until that I Deborah rose, that I rose a mother in Israel. There was there were no leadership, real leadership of men there. So, in cases where there are no men at all, no men, and I mean men of courage, men of intelligence, men of that don't have leadership, God will raise up a woman. And he has done that historically. He has done that. So even even in politics, he's done that. A righteous woman. And and, and a lot of, in some cases, he, write, he raises up a wicked woman to punish as well. That has the spirit of Jezebel. But that's if there's no men around, that's what he will do. But it's only an exception. It's not the rule, folks. The fact that, let's look at the numbers. Deborah is the only judge that's talked about in, in the entire Bible. So does that mean that God is saying that women should be regularly judges? No, of course not. It's only in cases where there's no men, and you have men like Barak wanting a woman to go fight, uh, be with him, take a woman to war with him, when the Bible is totally against that. Yes, you need to have women, mothers, mother-type figures, mother-type figures in the synagogue or the assemblies to teach men to be men. Because that's what women should be doing as mothers, is teaching their sons to be men and teaching their daughters to be women. Anyway, and then, of course, fathers play a significant role in that, too. But women play a role in that as well as teaching their sons to be men, to to listen to their fathers and, and to go fighting wars if they have to. A man, is, is, is if he's sleeping with his wife, and if there's some disturbance in the house, the woman shouldn't be rising up. That, that's a man's job. The man rises up, and the woman stays in the bed, and he finds out what's, gonna, what's going on. That's a man. Anyway, let's, let's talk about a woman's natural leadership role. In Exodus chapter 15, Exodus chapter 15, starting in verse 20. And this is the first, and let me make sure that I'm telling you right, but I think this is the first time the word prophetess is mentioned in the entire Bible, which is very symbolic and significant, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. This is the first time the, the word prophetess is mentioned in the entire Bible. 
And prophetess means an inspired woman. Uh, Miriam, as far as I know, was not married. I don't know if she was married or not. I didn't say so. Uh, may be wrong about that, but anyway. Uh, Exodus 15, verse 20. And Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand. And look at this. It doesn't say all the children of Israel. But it says all the women, all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. So this is significant. The first time the word prophetess is used in the entire Bible, and it talks about Miriam, who probably was the greatest woman prophetess of all time, and the women. She was leading the women. All the women followed. It says all the women. It didn't say the men. All the women went out after her. And so that one verse in the Torah tells you what women should be focusing on, not uh, Leading men, they should be focusing on leading women. There are exceptional cases where a prophetess has a message for the entire congregation or assembly. But when she gives that message, she's not trying to rule over men. And she's not giving that message with the intent of ruling over men. All right. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, starting in verse 3. says, The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as become of... Let me read this in the uh, Amplified Version here. says, Bid the older women similarly to, the, to be reverent and devote... Bid the older women similarly to be reverent and devote in their deportment as becomes those engaged in sacred service. Not slanderers or slaves to drink, and women have a tendency to to talk behind people's backs and to say things that aren't true. That's, a, that's what a slanderer is. Not slanderers or slaves to drink. They are to give good counsel and be teachers of what is right and noble. Now it goes into detail what their, the focus of their teaching should be. In verse 4 of Titus chapter 2, so that they will wisely train the young women. It doesn't say the, the, the men, but so that they will wisely train the young women to be sane and a sober of mind, temperate, disciplined, and to love their husbands and their children. Yes, it is assumed that most women will get married. Verse 5, to be self-controlled, chaste, homemakers, talking about women, good-natured, adapting and subordinating themselves to their husbands, that the word of God may not be exposed to reproach, blasphemed, or discredited. All right? So that should be the focus of the teaching of women. Uh, women should be elders over women. They should, they should, uh, there should be a, a woman's ministry within an overall ministry. And women should be teaching uh, young women in particular to be sane and of a sober mind and to love their husbands and, and their children and to respect male leadership and authority in society as well as in the, in, in the assembly. They should be taught that. Okay, so I hope that this Bible study, and I can go further, I can go more into detail, but I've given you some basics to help you to understand the spirit of Jezebel and avoid the spirit of Jezebel. Of course, the spirit of Jezebel represents total, outright um, being rebellious. That's what it represents. However, specifically is talking about women because he mentioned Jezebel in in here. Okay, so this is a warning to 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 women in particular. 
to know your place. And if you have any leadership or authority, it's as a mother, not as a father. And uh, a father to spiritual children, uh, a mother to spiritual children, not a father. All right? And in First Samuel 15, verse 22, in the Amplified Version, it says, Samuel said, Has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the, the fat of rams. In verse 23 of, of 1 Samuel chapter 15, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as idolatry, uh, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. So when you rebel, that's idolatry. When you, when you don't want to obey, God is idolatry to him. And that's what it is talking about here as far as a Jezebel is concerned. Now, what happened to Jezebel? And this is a warning to all women that that think is is okay to to lead men, and uh, you don't have the Deborah exception there. And see, a lot of women, what they'll do, sure, they may be in a situation where they have to lead temporarily, but when men come on the scene that that prove to be men, they're not willing to step down. Well, God has a warning for those women who are not willing to step down in their leadership roles and when there are men there to rule. And that's and uh, it tells you here, and I believe this is a, a prophecy to all women that want to continue to rule over men when they're not supposed to. And there's no situation that's justified for them to do so. Now, of course, if you have a Deborah situation, it's different, but those Deborah situations are an exception, not the rule. In Second Kings chapter 9, Second Kings chapter 9, Second Kings chapter nine about Jezebel here. Second Kings chapter nine, starting in verse thirty, I'm gonna read this in the Amplified here. It says now when Jehu came to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she painted her eyes and beautified her head and looked out of an upper window. And as Jehu entered the gate, she said, "Have you come in peace, you Zimri, who slew his master?" Jehu lifted up his face to the window and said, "Who is on my side? Who?" And two or three eunuchs looked out at him. And he said, throw her down. So they threw her down, and some of her blood splattered on the wall. On the horses, he drove over her. Now, when, when he came in, he ate and drank and said, see now to this cursed woman and bury her, for she is the king's daughter. They went to bury her, but they found nothing left of her except the skull, feet, and palms of her hands. They came again and told Jehu, and they said, this is the word of the Lord, which he spoke by his servant Elijah the Tishbit. In the portion of Jezreel shall dogs eat the flesh of Jezebel. The course of Jezebel shall be like dung upon the face of the field in the portion of Jezreel, so, they, so that they shall not say this is Jezebel. See, that, that, that's what, how God feels, ladies and gentlemen, about women trying to usurp the authority of men. That's how he feels about it. And you need to take this seriously, women, and you need to repent of this wickedness, uh, you need to read this book, The Flip Side of Feminism, understand where this came. Of course, it came from Hasatana, the devil. But you need to understand historically how it came so that you can unbrainwash yourself about women leading assemblies and leading men, whether that's in the church or outside the church. That is not a natural thing for women to do. I've proven that to you out of the Bible. Uh, you need to learn how to submit to male leadership and authority.
And if you don't learn how to do that, then you're going to have issues and problems with people and with God himself. So let's let's understand that. He, and again, he's he's talking, he's saying in verse 23, if you don't repent of this, that I will strike her children, her proper followers, people who follow these women out here preaching and, and acting like they can be apostles and so forth and, and going around and, and, and acting like it's okay to uh, lead over men, and it's not. And I will strike her children, her proper followers, dead, thoroughly ex- exterminating them in all the assemblies, Churches shall recognize and understand that I am He who searches minds. See, and and he, he and he says here, I will throw her on a bed, and those who commit adultery with her, and that's symbolically talking about spiritual adultery, uh, listening to false doctrine. I will bring down the pre- uh, pressing distress and severe affliction unless they turn away their minds from conduct such as hers and repent of their doings. I've been persecuted for standing up for the Word of God and what it says about uh, true male leadership and, and true women leadership. And I know I will be continued to be persecuted. I know that, but I don't care. I'm going to preach the truth of God, and, and anybody can look up these scriptures and, and realize that what I'm preaching is true about uh, women's place in society and in the assemblies. Okay, so I hope you, that you understand that I, I gave this Bible study in love. I'm not a male chauvinist pig. Uh, if I am, then I guess God is because he's the one that made the rules about women submitting to to male leadership. So uh, women have to understand that that's what they must do. And he, he does not desire for women to rule over men or want to dominate men or, or break, break the uh, glass ceiling. That's not a woman's place uh, to act that way. The greatest servant is the one, and the greatest is the greatest servant, women. And you have authority. You you have rulership along with the man. In, in Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 26, it states plainly, And God said, Let us make mankind in our image after our likeness, and let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the beasts, over all the earth, and over everything that creeps upon the earth. Women, you also have that authority. You have authority over fish, birds, the air, the beasts, over all the earth, over everything that creeps upon the earth. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image and likeness of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. And he commanded both the male and the female the following. In verse 20, and God blessed him and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. He's talking to the woman as well as the man as far as being fruitful, multiplying, and filling earth and subduing it. That command is not just to the man, it's also to the woman. Using all its vast resources in the service of God and man and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves upon the earth. Women, you also have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves upon the earth. And women, if you really want to rule over men, Get married and have sons, okay? <laughs> I am always submissive to my mother. She is always going to be over me, all right? So if you really want to rule over men so bad, I recommend that you get married and have kids, and we'll always rule over your sons, okay? So that that's what I suggest you do if that's so much of a big issue with you. But it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. 
and realize, women, look, yes, you're number two in society and you're number two in the assemblies. But when you are resurrected, you're going to be ruling the entire universe with our husband, the Messiah. So, yes, he who humble himself shall be exalted. You're going to be exalted. And one day you're going to be able to rule over everything. Okay? So to be able to submit to a man realizing that, or, or your husband, and realizing that you were created to help man, to help a man, and realize that Yeshua said the, the greatest is the greatest servant. Okay? And I'm going to quote that scripture here. As as I, as I leave you today, and you need to understand that, and if you can inco- incorporate that into your being, women, you won't have this feminist attitude that has just really contributed to destroying <laughs> society. Uh, here in, in Matthew chapter twenty, Matthew chapter twenty. Verse 25, but Jesus called unto him and said, You know that the princes of the Gentiles, let me read this in the Amplified, probably better read here. It says, And Jesus called to them and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men hold them in subjection. It's interesting that he said men, not women. Okay? Yeshua is telling you that uh prefers men, not women, to lead in society. All right? And, of course, these men, unfortunately, weren't leading correctly. But uh, verse 26, not, not so shall it be among you, but, but whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant. Okay? And whoever desires to be first among you must be your slave. Verse 28, just as the Son of Man came not to be waited on, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And look at where he's at now. He has all power in heaven and earth. And I tell you women, if you just learn to be submissive, learn to be submissive to male leadership, and of course if you're married to your husband, and realize that men are the leaders of society, they really are, then you will be blessed and you will be given power over the nations and power over the universe along with the Messiah. And you'll be able to sit, uh, as Revelation says here, Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3, verse 21. I'm reading this to amplify. He who overcomes is victorious. I will grant him or her to sit beside me on my throne as I myself overcame was victorious and sat down beside my father on his throne. He who is able to hear, let him listen to and heed what the Holy Spirit says to the assembly. So, you know, if you want rulership, you're going to get it, women. You're going to get it. Men and women will have tremendous leadership. We both have to understand our roles as leading. And if we both do that, then we will both have tremendous amount of rulership, ruling with the Messiah, not just the earth but the entire universe. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the truth. So, let's understand that. And I think I was going to quote another scripture. I can't remember which scripture I was going to quote, but let's understand God's um, government, the way he wants things to be, ladies and gentlemen. And, yeah, the, the, the book of Judges, I think I would like to end with the book of Judges here. Judges, 
chapter 21, verse 24. And the Israelites left there then every man to his tribe and family, and they went out. Well, I'll quote another one after this. And they went out from there every man to his inheritance. Verse 25, in those days there was no king, and it says no queen. In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. And that's what happens when you don't have male leadership in society. Everyone's going to do what's right in his own eyes, male or female. That's the way it is. And the great prophecy of Malachi. Malachi, chapter 4. Malachi, chapter 4. Verse 4, it says, Earnestly remember, in the Amplified Version, Earnestly remember the law of Moses, my servant, the statutes and the ordinance which I commanded him on Mount Orb to give to all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah, or Eliahu, the prophet before the great and terrible day of the Lord. And he shall turn and reconcile the hearts of the estrangled fathers to the ungodly children. Now, other translations say son, and the hearts of the rebellious sons to the piety of the fathers. Okay, a reconciliation produced by repentance of the ungodly. That night I come and smite the land with a curse and a ban of other destruction. And so that's important to understand, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, the rulers of society are the fathers and the sons. The fathers and the sons. And that word in the original Hebrew is bane, and it means a son. All right? The fathers to the son. And that's the way it should be, ladies and gentlemen. Um, again, the rulers of society are not mothers and daughters, it's fathers and sons. And, and we need to, to understand that, and we need to uh, submit to that truth. So, I leave you with that. And may the great Yah, or God, bless and keep you. And Yah willing, I'll be available to you next week. Shalom. Peace. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.